0: Mormon Discussion Podcast is about helping Latter-day Saints like you lead with faith while tackling deeper, complex issues within Mormonism. All financial support goes directly towards keeping the podcast alive and supporting listeners like you. To support the podcast, please consider becoming a premium subscriber at mormondiscussionpodcast.org. Again, that's mormondiscussionpodcast, all one word, dot .org. You can do this for as little as fifty a month or $12 a year. And this will also reward you by letting you listen to premium episodes like this one months before the general public has access. Thanks for listening. And now, onto what you've been waiting to hear. Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful to be with you today. Grateful to have this chance to sit down with you and to talk. Today, I want to talk about the Holy Ghost conundrum and and by that, I mean that we as Mormons in our theology have framed the Holy Ghost in ways that that I think provide a really deep problematic conundrum for us as mormons and so I'm hoping to go through several points here and we'll just kind of uh, tease these out uh, in several of these points the The thing I want to start off with is the idea of the, the gift of the Holy Ghost. And in, in our theology, we teach that everyone in the world feels the Holy Ghost at various times in their life, but that Mormons have some kind of monopoly on something called the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is the constant companionship of the third member of the Godhood, Godhead, whenever one is worthy and and has received that sacred gift by the laying on of hands. The, the trouble is that you can hold that view if all you really know are Mormons, and you don't really get to know other people. But once you do get to know other good religious people, you realize that it seems that they are feeling the very thing we call the Holy Ghost in their lives to the same extent that we do, even though we have the gift of the Holy Ghost. My point being is that the moment I started to go through my faith transition, I began to get very interested in what others believed and what others' religious experience was. As I did that, as I got to know people, as I read about different religions, as I read on their religious experiences, I began to to grapple with and comprehend that their religious experience to them is just as dynamic, just as spiritually dramatic as as a mormon's experience and so framing this idea that we as mormons have the gift of the holy ghost while the rest of the world can just feel the holy ghost sporadically doesn't explain the human experience of spiritual experiences of people of other faiths and and that's something i think that we as mormons have to grapple with that going forward if we're going to be a worldwide religion and we're going to rub shoulders with people of other faiths. We're going to have to come up with an explanation for why their spiritual experiences are just as dramatic and life-changing as ours are. Number two, people who encourage you to get the answer to tough questions through God. There's this idea in Mormonism that whenever you have a difficult question, you can simply go back to Heavenly Father, ask Him, and He'll give you a direct answer that by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may truly know the truth of all things. The, the struggle here is that people manipulate those who struggle to think that any tough question can be answered by the Holy Ghost, and hence the doubters should stop asking questions publicly and simply go right to the source of truth. This idea is flawed because when one gathers that prophets, seers, and revelators are constantly having to revise what they thought was God's answer, then we realize that getting an answer from the Holy Ghost is not easy. For instance, Brigham Young implements a priesthood ban in 1852. He implements reasons for that ban, which begin to delve into this idea that those of color were less valiant in the premortal life, and that interracial marriage was sin, and that they had a curse that went back to Cain. And this idea was bandied about by religious leaders within Mormonism from generation to generation. And yet if the Holy Ghost has any true power, you would think sometime in the last 150 years that the Holy Ghost would have made our leaders aware that what they were teaching was false. You would think because this is one of these precipice issues in this dispensation in terms of civil rights and those of color receiving priesthood ordinances and the blessings of the temple, you would think that the Holy Ghost of all the moments in time would see this as a very direct moment to straighten out his prophets, seers and revelators. But it's not just that issue, whether it be birth control or polygamy being essential to the celestial kingdom, the, the end of polygamy, the Adam God doctrine and others that the Holy Ghost would have the ability to communicate to these leaders that they've gone astray in their thinking and are mislabeling their own racist and prejudiced and bigoted false beliefs as the mind and will of God. And yet the Holy Ghost never steps in. And, and so if people are going to say, just go to God and get an answer. Well, unfortunately that doesn't really work when looking at the historical evidence in the, our historical experience of our faith. Number three, this policy that comes out in November, the Brethren defend this as protecting the children, and Elder Christofferson specifically says that nothing is lost. These kids can come back when they're adults, and nothing will have been missed. And yet we also teach within our faith just how valuable the gift of the Holy Ghost is, that we give it to our kids when they're eight, and that it will be such a help to them as they go through their teenage formative years, it will help them make better choices. It will help them stay off drugs. It will help them not have promiscuous sex. It will help them with their homework. It will help them in their friendships. It will help them to keep the laws and commandments of God. And yet we've told these kids, not because of any fault of their own, but because their parents are practicing the vile sin of homosexuality, that these kids don't need the Holy Ghost, or that it's better for them if they don't get it, Or that nothing is lost if they come back later. And yet that seems to contradict and run right up against the actual theology that we teach the rest of the church on the importance of the Holy Ghost. Number four, only 2% actually, sorry, scratch that, cross that out, erase it. Let's start over. Only 0.2% of God's children are privileged to have this great gift in mortality. I mean, ponder that, right? This is the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is a gift that God desires all of his children to have. And yet he has produced a plan where only 0.2% of his children can be convinced that this is the true and living church. And actually it's lower than that because only one third of the church actually goes to church and is active. So it's actually like 0.07%. Now I can't reconcile the idea that God has imparted a sacred gift that he values so highly, and yet only point zero seven percent of those in the here and now, and even less when considering all those who have lived since the beginning of time, have access to that gift. That seems silly. So I get it, we confirm people by proxy, but giving someone the Holy Ghost when they're in the spirit world seems a little bit of dismissive that we can't reconcile why they can't get it in the here and now. Doesn't it seem odd that Heavenly Father would create a plan and set some things in this plan as really important and then create a plan that only 0.2% of his children, and perhaps less, 0.07 or less, when considering all those who have born and died throughout all of eternity on this earth, that they don't have, you know, the majority of people, the majority of God's children don't have access to this incredible gift. It Again, I'm struggling to reconcile the idea that this gift is so valuable and yet reconcile that up against the paradox of a plan that reaches so few. Number five, how to differentiate between the Holy Ghost and one's beliefs and emotions. I was recently on a scout trip with our scout troop from our ward. My son goes and I had a chance to spend some really awesome time with him rafting the Colorado River. In the very first night of our camp out, they had a devotional, and one of the questions a young man had was, how can I differentiate the Holy Ghost from my own emotions? And I said nothing. I planned to at some point take him aside and just throw my two cents in, but the reality is that even prophets, seers, and revelators seem to struggle within our history to discern the Holy Ghost from one's own beliefs or emotions. You see, if people from various faiths feel the Spirit confirming their beliefs are true and others are false, confirming that they are experiencing deep contact with the divine, that they're getting answers to confirm their choices, and healings and miracles occurring within each tradition in a similar magnitude. It becomes difficult to validate that Mormonism has some piece of the market cornered on the Holy Ghost. Let me say this again. You see, if people from various faiths feel the Spirit confirming their beliefs, you can, there's a video I'll link to this episode, but there are multiple faiths out there who have spiritual experiences confirming the truth claims of their faith. So if people from various faiths feel the Spirit confirming their beliefs are true, and we also have religious people who get spiritual feelings that other groups are false, for instance, evangelicals about Mormons, right? And that multiple faiths have its members claiming that they're experiencing deep contact with the divine that you look at like the the holy rollers of the Pentecostal faith you look at some of the groups like heaven's gate um, that was an atrociously unhealthy group people ended up taking their own lives and yet you see videos of these people talking and they are having spiritual experiences when you recognize that, that people are getting answers to confirm their choices, that Catholics, Muslims, Evangelicals, uh, Pentecostal people, um, people of other religions entirely are receiving answers that confirm their decisions to be in their church and that their church is the right one to be in and that other people's churches are not the right one to be in. And that these spiritual feelings seem to convey not just a personal, individual truth to them, but to be laying down a capital T truth as if their church is true, or at least more true than the church down the street. When we recognize that healings and miracles are reported by all of these faiths, that Mormonism doesn't have a monopoly on the power that the priesthood has on the laying on of hands, When we recognize that these deep spiritual connections occur within every religious tradition in a similar, if not exactly the same magnitude, it becomes difficult to validate that Mormonism has the market cornered on a greater power of the Holy Ghost known as the gift of the Holy Ghost. And hence, regardless of what church imposes... On what it means to have the Holy Ghost or for that matter, the priesthood to give blessings or greater access to truth and a spiritual confirmation of such. I simply can't make that work for the reasons listed above along with many others. I'm left to reach another perspective that makes sense to my mind and soul. And so I share that with you here. I've shared before on the podcast that there's a scripture where Jesus says that I have to leave so that the Comforter can come. In some of the Bible translations, it says it is to your advantage that I go. And I have to wonder why Jesus thought it would be best that he leave so that this spirit can come. And the only conclusion I can come to is that as long as Jesus stood with the disciples in mortality, they would be paralyzed by the outside authority. Every time they had a question, they would turn to Jesus and say, What say ye, Master? Rabbi? Rabboni, tell me. You see, Jesus had to leave as the outward authority so that Jesus could come as the inner authority, the Holy Ghost within us. Jesus and the ordinance of confirmation are designed to encourage us to develop our inner authority. Think about that for a moment. People lay hands on your head and give you, they rhetorically or verbally give you a gift. A gift where they are pronouncing that there is now going to be a spirit within you that will lead you to further truth. That rather than look to outward authorities, you will have an authority within yourself that can testify of what is right and can help you to learn truth. The Savior and the ordinance are designed to encourage us to develop our inner authority and to look inward rather than outward for direction and In spite of our claims that such belongs only within the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, we ought to recognize that I truly believe that God is encouraging and giving access to that inner authority to every one of his children. That such encouragement and access is available to every one of God's children, regardless of creed, station, race, or church responsibility. I think the message of Jesus Christ, when I go back and read the New Testament, is that he, at every turn, seems to be making an effort to make us uncomfortable, to have us question the culture or the popular beliefs of our day, and instead call on us to reach higher and to be better utilizing our inner authority. It's my prayer that Mormonism will be brave enough to look at all of these data points on this issue and hundreds of others and recognize that, as Richard Bushman recently said, the dominant narrative isn't true. That in order for us to have a theology that holds up to critical thought and to the data points, we're going to have to revise things, and one of those things is what it means to have the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is a gift, because I've been formally asked within my church To look to my inner authority. Others within other faith traditions are not necessarily asked that. And hence I have been given a gift. A gift of recognition that I do have the Holy Ghost within me or otherwise Christ inner authority. Christ authority inside of myself. It's my prayer brothers and sisters that we will press forward with faith. But that we also might recognize that we don't need to turn our brains off. That we can connect with that authority that is within us. And that we can search for truth on terms that leaves us being authentic, honest, and hopefully even vulnerable. That's my prayer. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen.